in the year 2008, Abraham Harold Maslow was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. He died in 1970 at the age of 62 down in California. Maslow did his graduate studies, listen, this one is very interesting, in Wisconsin University. I don't know which university, whether it's for Oscars or which one. For those ones who does psychology, it is very interesting. But it happened that he took his studies in this country. And then he went for further research in Columbia University and impact on his career. He was a psychologist, a theorist like Freud and Erickson. He's the one who developed the pyramid of the hierarchy of need model. That three pyramid. And what happened at the base of the pyramid, he placed the, the basic needs of man, and he called them the physiological needs. And what is this basic needs of man? Water, food, sleep, and the air. I agree with him, and you also agree with him. It is true that a man can live only for six to seven minutes without air, and the brain cells start to die. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, the person starts to die. But you know what? We have a God who is a Jehovah Jireh God. A God who provides. There is oxygen. There is air. Here in the United States, America, Australia, New Zealand, in Africa, Europe, even in the village where my mother lives there, there is air. If you forget to breathe, surely you can do what? You will die. Why is that so? God provides that because it is a basic need. What about sleep? Can you do without sleep? The answer is no. A friend of ours went in the Twin Cities, United, I mean, uh, Minnesota. I come from Minnesota. A lady went to work and she did a double shift. Guess what? When she came to a stoplight, <laughs> what happened? She fell asleep. <laughs> now people who were driving next to her, they thought she had a heart attack. But do you know what? The police, somebody called the police. And then when she, the police knocked at the door of the, the car, she opened her eyes and tries to figure the geography of that area only to discover that she is in the middle of the what? Of the road. Why? Because she violated the basic need of what? Of sleep. What about food? You can never absolutely do without food. Even though you are busy, as busy you can be, you must have time to sleep. And again, 
I see this in the Twin Cities, Minnesota. You find somebody driving with this car and biting a hamburger. <laughs> Why are they doing this one? Because they are fulfilling the basic need, the pain, the uh, hunger pain. And therefore, Maslow, Harold Maslow said, if, if a man is hungry, he dreams about food. He remembers about food. He perceives about food. He thinks about food. He wants food. So if you want to introduce him, we will say, meet Mr. and Mrs. Food. <laughs> Why is that so? Because food is what? It's a basic need. I guess to use this theory of Maslow to introduce the gospel to you. Believe me, for all those people who are waiting for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, us included. We need a basic need. And what is that basic need? Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Jesus is our basic need. Allow me to use another word. The teaching of the cross. Allow me to use another cross. The truth of righteousness by faith. Or allow me to use the word, the story of what? Of redemption. Yes, the book of Ezekiel, the prophet, chapter 33, verse 1, he says that my people come and they sit before you as my people, and they hear what you say, but they don't do it. Matthew 6, 15, verse 8, he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from who? From me. Therefore, for us who are waiting for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we need something more than just coming to church every day. We need Jesus Christ. We need what he has done for us. We need to understand the story of redemption. What do you say? In our church, many times I've grown up, you find people teaching doctrines of national Sunday law. The eschatologies, the eschatologies, the last day events. I want to tell you something. Those studies are wonderful. There's nothing wrong without, with those uh, doctrines. Only if they are being thought in the context of who? Christ our righteousness. What we need to know basically is not that national Sonic law is coming. It is not Jesus Christ. The rest will take care of itself. And sometimes, I may challenge Pastor Carlos, the evangelistic crusade will say, oh, the fire is coming. Yes, you may come to church in fear of the fire. But I'm a, an Adventist. I'm an, a Christian. Not because I'm fearing that God is going to burn me. I'm coming to church because God 
is what? Is love. God is agape. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14. When that has been sunk in our hearts, the Christian could say, for me to love is Jesus Christ and therefore the love of Christ constrains me. It pushes me. And that's why when the Apostle Paul, he was preaching to the Corinthian Christians, he said, I resolve to know nothing except Jesus Christ and who? And him crucified. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, Jesus said, What will it profit a man? What will it profit a man? What will it profit a man? If he gains the whole world and they do what? And they loses his life. Yes, you can be rich. You can be educated. You can be famous. Those things are nothing. Last week, part one, <laughs> Kate, uh, Prince Charles's, no, not Charles, <laughs> Prince William's wife in England gave birth to a baby what? A baby girl. It was all over the news on CNN. Let me ask you a question. When you ladies give birth, do you go to CNN? <laughs> <laughs> why is Prince Kate's why? Oh, no, no, no. Prince William's wife news goes to CNN because she comes from where? From the royal family. Yes, you can be famous. But that alone can't help you. Becoming from a, a royal family can make you go to heaven. The answer is no. So salvation, therefore, is not by joining a denomination. Say you are a seventh-day Adventist. You can be a seventh-day Adventist and go to hell. It is not by strictly keeping the law, the Ten Commandments. It is not even by making a pilgrimage to Mecca in the case of a Muslims. Not, or maybe by making a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, Jerusalem. It is by believing in who? In Jesus Christ. By faith, we are saved. Believing the gospel in the Greek evangelion. But let me just, in a few minutes, destroy you. Then I bring the gospel. In a few minutes, I want to destroy you. And I want to see whether you accept. You are all sinners. True or false? Okay, well, to be honest, that is not very right. You are sinners rejoicing in whose righteousness? In Christ's righteousness. That is true now. Yes, we are sinners. Another question. Are we sinners by the act of doing? The answer is no, doctor. We are sinners by nature. That's why David said that in my mother's womb, did my mother did what? Conceive me. So, David, the psalmist, discovered 
that he is a sinner, not by the act of doing, but he was a sinner by nature. So we are sinners by nature. Do you teach a child to disobey? Do you teach a child to disobey? Oh, oh I'm an African preacher. If I'm, <laughs> you know, American preachers, you just give a discourse and say hallelujah, then you walk outside. <laughs> but African preachers, I preach, I want your response. <laughs> Do you teach a child to disobey? No. Why? Because that child is born a sinner and therefore it is easy to do sin than to do what? To do right. So there's a word they use that men are inclined to sin. In other words, we easily do sin than doing the right thing. And that's why the David, in some, uh, the book of Psalms, chapter uh, 51, verse 2, it says, he cried and said, wash me. No, wash away my iniquity. I'm unclean for I know my transgression. Question, did David knew that he was a sinner? Yes, that is why he cried that cleansed me. In the year 1683, which year is that? 1683, Sir Isaac Newton discovered the force of gravity. The story says that he was sitting in his orchard and a fruit fell from, he, from the tree and hit his head. You know what? There's nothing wrong today about that. But his scientific mind then wondered why is that fruit fell down? Why did it go up or float? Then he discovered that there is a force which pulls things towards the center of the earth. And that is the force of what? The force of gravity. And I want to tell you that sin is a force. Sometimes it's stronger than the force of gravity. The only one who can say, rescue that, who can save that problem is Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> <laughs> Supposing you go to the hospital, you know, doctors, I know, you are a dentist. I, I don't want, I don't. Supposing you go to a hospital, what happens when you go to the hospital? When you are sick, the doctor gives you prescribed the medicine right away to you. The first thing you know what he does, how do you feel? Then you just explain the, uh, what do we call it? Uh, the, um, uh, the symptoms. They say, oh, I'm feeling hard, headache, uh, and so on and so forth. It's kind of guesswork. But you know what? <laughs> they are trained that they prescribe the medicine. Question. Supposing you go to hospital and say, Sir, Dr. So, what's your name? I forgot. Uh, Dr. Paul is a dentist. Dr. Paul, I must assume you are not a dentist. I give, can you kindly prescribe me uh, medicine for sin, sin medicine, prescription for, for sin? What, what did Paul say? <laughs> what, what, what will the doctor say? You know, uh, I, I treat only arthritis and malaria and that stuff. <laughs> that pro same problem is supposed to be cured by one doctor. And whose name is who? Dr. Jesus. Hallelujah. Or Pastor Jesus. When you go to him, trust in him, 
You kneel, you say, yes, I'm a sinner. And then you say, you know, his prescription is, is very simple. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That will be the description of Dr. Jesus. <laughs> and therefore, let me now bring the good news because I, I want to be very kind to Pastor Carlos. If I want to pray for 30 minutes. If I go forward, maybe that I, he can give me an, the pulpit next time. <laughs> the, the book of John 19 verse 30, we read that when he had received the drink, what did he do? He breathed his last and died. Now let me tell you that the book of Matthew, now I want to bring the good news, the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, tells us that Jesus died with a, a great shout on his mouth. It is only John who said the very last word that Jesus uttered on the cross. And it is only found in that very text that we have read. And therefore, from the original Greek, remember the New Testament was written in Greek, that word, it is called tetelestai. Let's now try to learn <laughs> language here. Tongues. Can you just say, you American friend, that's okay. We, we are from, can you say those words? Tetelestai. Can you say that? Tetelestai. Yeah. So the word tetelestai, it is a a Greek word means it is finished. Now, let me just play with that word a little bit. The word tetelestai was a farmer's word. It was used by the farmers. When a farmer inspects an addition to the flock, finding that nothing is left to be desired, the farmer could just stand back and say, which word? Yes, it was an artist word. When a painter puts the last finishing touches to his, to his masterpiece, he could stand back and survey it. If he saw that is, there is nothing called for correction or improvement, the artist could say which word? Tetelestai. It was a priestly word when a devout worshiper with a heart filled with gratitude brought to the temple a lamb of offering. The priest would look on that lamb and when he finds that that lamb is good without spot and a blemish, he could explain Tetelestai. So tetelestai was an expression of divine satisfaction. Yes, it was used both in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. Now the question is, what is this that Jesus said tetelestai on the cross of Calvary? In other words, what did he say that it is finished? The story of what? Of redemption. I have saved man. Yes. I am done. And that becomes good news to every one of us. That Jesus Christ died for us. What do you say? Therefore grasping the significance of the telestai, the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
it will become or provide motivation and a life of dedication and obedience. Now, when you come to church, you are not afraid. You are saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me. I had to make, uh, if it was a Bible study, I could have some expressions on how you can, but, but we don't have time. We coming to church because the Lord is good. He has saved us. That's why he said in John 3, verse 17, for God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world from sin. Now, if someone therefore comes and asks you, are you saved? What could you say? <laughs> Some come and say, are you saved? What could you say? You could say, yes, I'm saved. But you have to be very honest and say, yes, I am being saved. And then, yes, I will be what? I will be saved. Why is that true? Once saved is not forever saved. In other words, if you accept Jesus Christ today and you keep on doing stuff, you will fall off from grace. So we walk by faith in the book of Colossians chapter 2. I'm crucified with Jesus Christ nevertheless. I live yet, not yet I, but Christ liveth in me. The life I therefore live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for who? For me. So that becomes the Christian's formula for me to live is who? Is Jesus Christ. What does the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 says? By grace you are saved through faith. You write it and <laughs> for by grace you are being saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. When I preach this sermon, I, I give an expression of my wife. I have a wife by the name Eileen. Supposing I come from work, I find somebody bad has come and beaten my wife and she's bleeding to death. Assume I'm not in America and assume that you know that you know that number which starts from nine and and ends with one. Assume those. What do you think I will do? <laughs> what do you think I will do? <laughs> okay. And now instead of calling that number, <laughs> then I say, Oh, can we get uh, get an ambulance and take her to? What is that next uh, hospital here? Aurora, Aurora, or Pelin. Pelin Hospital for, for treatment. And then when we, she goes there being treated, then I tell, her, I tell him, can we stop at uh, Gordon Corral? <laughs> Do you know Gordon Corral? That is a buffet and eat some food. If my, if my head is functioning, do you think I'll do that? No. So what I am doing to this... Oh, no, 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 before that. What does that man deserve? He deserves death or jail. And if you ask people around and ask, what do you think about this man? Those are the CNN people who have just come. And they are just, you know, that's the news. And then you ask, those people ask, what do you think about this man? Do you think the answer they will say? This man belongs where? To jail. But instead of that, all human beings 
For the wages of sin is what? The wages of sin is what? Is death. So, what do we deserve? Death. But because of God's grace love, instead of taking us to jail, instead of taking us to, to, to whatever, he says, my son, I have forgiven you. That is what it means, grace. Grace, it is given something which you do not deserve. And that is why the Apostle Paul had a predicament. In Romans chapter 7, he says, when I try to do something good, only the very bad thing which I don't want is what I do. And what did he do? He cried and said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Do you sometimes have that same problem? So what am I trying to say here? Yes, you are saved. But the experience that you are, so long as you are in this world, it is that experience of the Apostle Paul. You try to do something good on the bad thing, which you do not deserve, is what happens. Now let's talk about the, the Philippian jailer. And this is a, a challenge for the elders. What happened? I don't want in deep story. The man was put in prison. This was um, Peter and who? Peter and Cyrus. Oh, no, no, no. What is that? Silas, Paul, Paul, Paul and Silas. Instead of crying and complaining, what were they doing in, in jail? They were singing and singing and praising the Lord. Now let me hold that one and bring that message home. <laughs> when we have a problem here with elders and there is a problem, maybe there's no problem, Fox, Seventh-day Adventist Church, you know, people talk, talk, talk. Instead of praising the Lord to break the chains, you do the, the opposite. And what happened? A tremor came. Did the man, ran, did the man of God run, run out away? No. The, man, the jailer, when he came, he found the, 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 the jail is open. And by the, and you know, the law, the man was to, to, to be killed. And said, hold on, hold on. We are all here. Now there is one thing I just want to bring to your attention. What did that man do? He discovered that these were not ordinary people. And said, what must I do to be what? To be saved. Listen to this statement. He knew, the jailer, he knew that something was radically wrong and that he needed a radical solution. When you discover Jesus Christ, what happens to you, you know that there is something radically wrong with you and you need Dr. Jesus. Until you come to that point, then you are not saved. Because all of us, we are what? We are sinners. In, in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 20, it says, our common wealth, our citizenship is where? Is in heaven. 
I went to Green Bay Seventh-day Adventist Church down there. And then was sitting in, a, in, a, in, in lunch, in a buffet, in lunch eating. There was a guy sitting in front of me. Then I asked him, sir, where do you come from? Uh, you know, when I explained, I said, I come from Minnesota by the way of Kenya. So I thought he could tell me that uh, he comes from Samuel Green Bay. Do you know what he told me? I come from where? From heaven. So when I was coming to this church this morning, I met that guy on the road. Where is that friend of mine? <laughs> where, where are you? Where is that friend of mine? Who's, who's, where is that friend of mine? Uh, yeah, can you stand up, sir? Can you stand up? That man comes from Green Bay Seventh-day Adventist Church. If you ask him where is his home, he, tell, he says his home is where? He's in heaven. What does the Bible say? Our commonwealth, our citizenship is where? He's in heaven. The year 2006, I became an American citizen. I come from Kenya, so I went to Bloomington Immigration. Then they gave me a test. And one of the tests they gave me was, what is the supreme law of the land? <laughs> what is it? I said, the Constitution. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, they asked me a few questions. Then I became an American citizen. Now the question is, what did I do? I became an American citizen. I can access the loans. I can vote. I can do things. I became an American citizen at the year 2006. I have a question. When did you become the heavenly citizen? When did you become the heavenly citizen? The year when you accepted Jesus Christ. Yes. In history, 2,000 years. When Jesus died, where? On the cross of Calvary. And now that covers to all people to the very last person to be born before the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What do you say? And that has been given to us as a gift. Yes, that has been given to us as a gift. You don't buy it. A gift is something you are given freely. I want to invite one boy to come here. Oh, one child. Hurry up. I want to be fair with Pastor Anchia so that he can give me a pulpit again. I don't want to preach so long. A any child to come. Where's my friend? The other friend. Um, where's the other? What's the name of that, my, my friend? Come, come, come. Hurry up. You, you. Oh, okay, okay. Hurry up, hurry up. Come, Parani. I'm just trying to do something here. I'm testing something. I don't know the outcome. What's your name? Yeah? Fabrice. Okay, the instructions are very clear. I want to give you a gift. And the gift I want to give you, it's not something, it's a one dollar bill. Do you understand? Okay. I'm testing something here. I want to see you, the, the, I want you to see the response. And this money I give to you, you take it until Jesus comes. You do whatever you want to do, okay? All right. I'm testing something. Yeah. I, 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 no, hold on. I'm giving you, this is yours, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, it is your money. I, I have to be honest. What did he miss? What, what, what was he supposed to do? Yes, that's what he missed. 
all he needed to do is to say what? Thank you. And that man is his. He forgot to say that. So when you accept Jesus Christ, all you need to do is one thing. Thank you, Jesus. And heaven is what? It's yours. It is so good to believe. Can you believe that? Yes. That is why Jesus came to this world. To give us salvation free. For by grace, you are saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is, the, is what? It is the gift of God. Lest any man should boast. In closing, I want to tell you the story of Dr. David Livingston. Dr. David Livingston was born in Plantyre, Scotland. He trained and became a physician, a medical doctor. But because something was burning in his heart, he decided to do something. He came to Africa. He left his legal profession as a medical doctor and came to Africa. When there was no roads, he walked wherever he went. There were no cars. The medication malaria queen he was carrying and they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. He lived there, if I'm not wrong, correct me, for 32 years. Doctor, correct me. I think that I'm right. And he found, they found him dead on his knees in Malawi, in Zambia. Dr. David Livingstone. What motivated Dr. David Livingstone? To come to Africa. There, he had his friend who lived in London. I lived in London for two years. This man became rich and was all over known. But today, they say that they don't even know his name. But the name of Dr. David Livingston is what? He's being remembered at this day. What is your motivation? All to have the gains of this world and get lost. May God bless you. May God keep you that the gospel should be something we should teach and accept and work as we wait for our Lord Jesus Christ. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. And thank you for inviting me. And I hope, Pastor, you'll invite me again. <laughs> may God bless you may God make his face shine upon you and help us to come again next week and wash it your holy name in Jesus name